Sports Comic News, episode 141. I am your only host, Chris. Uh, Mike is away this week. He has, uh, I think he's a wedding party or something weird like that. So it's just me. No news this week. Oh, there's some awesome news I want to talk about, but we're going to talk about it next week. And uh, Mike will be back, but the show goes on, thankfully. And we have an awesome guest this week. So uh, I just want to do a quick intro to the guest and then we'll jump right into it. I talked to Ryan Katie and uh, Ryan is currently doing a bunch of stuff for Marvel. He's worked for Top Cow Image. He's been all over the place um, and is uh, working on some stuff over at uh, another publisher who I don't, I I can't remember if he said or not. Um, It might've been, something else but he did mention he has some stuff happening in the near future that we can talk about uh but currently he's trying to promote winter guard that's coming out from marvel issue four will be out here in the next month or so and uh it's a really fun book tying in with all the uh, black widow stuff going on over marvel uh like i said he's done a bunch of really cool stuff we had an awesome conversation i really enjoyed talking to him and uh look forward to talking to him again because we just had a blast having fun talking about comics and stuff he's doing and all this stuff. And um, kind of honored that this is the first podcast he did in over a year. So he's been off for a while now and he decided to come back for us. That's weird guys. Like, <laughs> but uh, so real quick, everybody remember if you want to follow me in the show, I am at Fortress Chris on Twitter at Fortress comics underscore on Twitter for the show and Fortress comic news.com. Uh, you're listening to the audio version of the show. So please give us the five star review on Apple podcasts and whatever Spotify does for their stuff and all them. Uh, give us a review, share it. And if you want to go the extra mile, patreon.com slash fortress comics. Appreciate you all so much for listening and for supporting the show. Now let's move over to the interview with Ryan Caddy. All right, everybody. I got another very special guest for y'all. I want you to welcome to the show, Ryan Caddy. What's going on, Ryan? How's it going, guys? I am I am excited to be here. It's my first uh, podcast in like a, a year or something. It's been a long time in these unprecedented oh. times. Uh, <laughs> I'm Man, excited. I'm honored. I'm honored. <laughs> Not happy how is, uh, how's uh, life been treating you in the, this past year? It's been good. I um I I worked a lot and then um I took like a vacation for like a week. That was pretty weird. Uh still, to, still to exist. <laughs> I didn't know what to do with myself, so I just started working again. Uh, <laughs> no, it's 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 been good. It's nice out here. Uh really fun to get back and talking to people about comics. Yes, that's that's why I started this, so I could talk to people about comics every week. <laughs> <laughs> you missed it. You, you know, you do. Like, uh, you know, one thing about, um, and I know most people who work in comics, especially if it's their only thing, they're all freelance, um, you know, creators. And you don't have a workplace community. You don't have as much opportunity to, like, talk about stuff and meet up and talk shop and stuff. And it's really, you know, people need to do things like go on podcasts and start podcasts and be in discords and groups and stuff like that. Yeah, I started seeing, especially some of the the indie, like super indie creators I know, have started to get like uh, group meetups back again, which just brought a smile to my face that like guys are oh, getting yeah. back together and just just talking about the love of it and everything. Because I know that was one thing that was lost in a lot of the communities. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, a year away. I mean, you're so disjointed from uh, seeing your work in people's hands and like talking to people about it and talking to your friends about their work and new work and stuff. You're yeah. That removal is, is really hard. That lack of like community. Yeah. And hopefully we can get cons back soon. I know they're slowly coming out, but I don't know. I went to one this year and it just wasn't the same. It still isn't the same. <laughs> I, I believe it. I'm hopefully fingers crossed. Everybody get vaccinated, please. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. So, uh, Ryan, it's your first time being on the show, uh, and we're going to let's do the origin story. What got you into comics? And then when did you decide, like, hey, I can make these things? <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I feel like 
what got me into it i mean for me it's kind of it's like always background radiation um you know like my dad is like a cool surfer guy but he always had comics kind of just around reading he's like you know like 90s trade paperbacks and stuff like that um he would pick them up randomly so there'd always be like a he'd be done with it and i'd get to read it so i was always kind of like adjacent into it obviously you know i was of the right age to not you know to to really love the uh the the dc cartoons batman obviously and um like the justice league cartoon all that stuff um so big energy there so we grew up around the same time. Yeah. 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 I'm like, that's really formative. Um, yeah. And then in terms of like getting into it, I always kind of was, you know, trying to be a writer and wanted to do writing um, in addition to like, you know, paths and stuff as you grow up. Uh, and when new 52 launched, um, I was at that time, like I was really trying really earnestly to like make, writing my thing and and there were all the local comic shops around me were having store signings and uh all my friends were getting back into collecting single issues again and i started to you know meet creators who were who were like on the come up and making this their full-time gig um you know with that sort of like reinvigorated single issue energy around me and like where i was living and stuff at the time and i was like this is a job like i could do I, you could write comics that could be the writing that i do <laughs> Um, it like sort of felt like a duh, like this was what I'd been, uh, wanting to create medium wise for years. So I just sort of like threw myself into it. Um, I went to every comic book company that I could conceivably ever drive to. And I, I emailed them and I talked to reps and I tried to get, like, I wanted to be an intern and eventually I interned at Top Cow. Um, they, uh, somebody betsy gonya who worked there at the time uh she was an editor she got back to me and i got an internship there and i just sort of hung around and i was an intern and an editorial assistant and the whole time i was like trying to put out indie comics or writing in anthologies and things um and then i just sort of have been slowly doing that and uh, uh my first my first uh all my first work really was for 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 top cow or um other companies like that like i did uh, magdalena teeny howard and i co-wrote that that was like my first real series series uh, and then infinite dark my creator owned their uh, image i'm gonna forget who it was uh but um i recently talked to somebody else who came up in that same time with top cow and it's gonna kill me that i forget but <laughs> it's interesting to see a bunch of you coming out of top cow there, that I'm really enjoying. I, I feel I, I talk about it a lot, um, but that the year that I was like, I think 2014 or 2015 was when I was first put on to like assist or whatever. When Top Cut is that talent hunt, and I mean, there's a year. I, I mean, the, 2014, 2015, those two years that they did it. I mean, you know, Steve Fox, Phil Seavey, Megan Wong. That's what it was um, Phil Seavey. Yeah, a, a amazing yep. guy. Um, yep. I mean. These are some like, I, and I mean, I could go down the list if I like pulled up and I'd be like, it's all people that are uh, like phenomenal Isaac Goodhart, like like so many people that have come up and, and done so much and are rising. Um, and it's like really cool to see that incubator, I guess. Yeah, it, it's funny you brought up New 52. Dude, New 52 gets so much slack in the community, but it Whatever. doesn't get the credit for getting so much of us into back into the grind to like. I was strictly a Marvel guy before mm. then, and then New Fifty Two hit, and I'm like, yeah, let's check out some of this DC stuff. What what do they got going on? And fell in love with a bunch of characters through. Yeah, it, it really. I mean, I think. Thank you for saying that. Like, I think uh, New Fifty Two gets a lot of hate, and I, I it's so so silly to me because I mean, again, it really it really is what revitalized for for me. It, it what made me be like, yeah, I do want to do this. I see this is a job. I see that this is like a there's an invigoration in the community, and like. Um, legitimately, I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, it was, I, I hear retailers and, and fans and, and even creators talking about how it accomplished nothing. And I'm like, well, when New 52 came out, I can think of like 10 people who had given up on collecting single issues who were like, oh, I'm going to start doing that again. Uh, so me included. <laughs> I can think of a few creators who came out of it with some pretty great stuff. Uh, you know, Scott Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get the criticism, but like, yeah, it is, it's all stepping stones. It, it, it brought out some great stuff. 
Yeah, it's just great to find a way for these companies to find new readers come back, come in, come back yeah. in, or come in fresh. Because I know plenty of people. Um, my buddy opened a comic shop right before New Fifty Two. It's probably oh, wow. a year before it hit, mm-hmm. and that's when he saw the surge of his business come. Like, and people who's still there to this day. Oh yeah, that, that had never read comics before. We're just like, oh, let's see what this is all about. <laughs> Yeah, and I, you know, we all spec, we all hem and haw about like, oh, another, we're going back to number one, we're going back to number one, and and I mean, however you feel about that in specific instances or whatever, like I don't think you can deny that New Fifty Two, what New Fifty Two was good, that did a good thing and a lot of good yeah. things, yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> I don't know, I'm, I I don't know about money and long term things. I just write my little stories. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I mean, all I know is I got some cool books out of it, but. So you you work at you make it a top cow and you start doing a few independent stuff and that's mm-hmm. you said that's where Infinite Dark comes from. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually I had quit. I didn't do Infinite Dark until I left Top Cow uh, editorially. I had moved from. Uh, I left Southern California to live in New York for a little while, and while I was there, I was like working on some stuff, and Magdalena was coming out, and. Top Cow let me pitch again on creator-owned stuff, and they they liked Infinite Dark, um, and so that was sort of my me and Andrea Muti uh, doing space horror. was like my first creator-owned, but at the same time, uh, that was when I started working on stuff uh, more in sincerity or full time, just writing. Yeah, because uh, I think that's the first time I saw your name in print because uh, you, uh, Andrea Muti was the artist on that, right? You said, yeah, you said that. yeah, yeah, that's. No offense to you. That's probably why I picked that book up because I no, love no. his work. It was, I mean, um, it's a, it was a first, unless you had been, unless you were like a <laughs> Top Cow Universe fan, uh, you would not have read or noticed anything I had done until then. That's not, yeah, I don't take no ego there. Uh, <laughs> and I was lucky to work with Andrea. That was amazing. His, uh, his, his work on that was genius. And I, I feel really lucky. Yeah. He's such an underrated artist. I love his work. Uh, so you you go on from that. I mean, I, I see you've worked pretty all over the place on different little things here and there. Um, but what I'd like to kind of focus on is when did you make the move to Marvel? Um, so my first Marvel thing, uh, the whole time I was in New York, I uh, I was just like probably a really annoying terror to like Marvel and DC editors. I was not like. There were there, luckily there were you know, there were DC editors living living in New York at the time, and I wasn't like going to the offices and bothering these people in person. But I was like, you know, I was like, one of those guys who like emails editors like once every month or two or a couple months, be like, "Here's what I've been working on, boy, I'd love more." Uh, which you know, you got to find a balance, and you get older and you get less annoying. Uh, yeah. But uh, the first thing I got was I had just it was it was a month or two after I moved back away from New York that I, I got a contact and they, I got to do a, um, an old man Logan in one of the annuals they did. They wanted like an old man Punisher short and me and Hayden Christensen, Hayden Christensen, Jesus Christ. No, Hayden Sherman. Uh, <laughs> uh, there was going to be questions. Uh, after I know. I, know. <laughs> I like star Wars a lot. Uh, Does he just, hate sand as much as he says? <laughs> it's, it's, it's coarse. It's strike. It's everywhere. Uh, <laughs> wow. I'm so sorry to both Haydens. That's an unflattering comparison for both Haydens. Uh, I was I was watching Revenge of the Sith last night. Uh, no, in Sherman, I got to do this old man Punisher short. Uh, it was like twelve pages, I think, um, in the background of like the old man Logan annual. Uh, and again, me getting blessed with artists. Hayden is a genius. Um, I have it. Uh, is it is it weird if I if I move the laptop? I can show the page. It's very silly. Feel free. Um, I I have. Can is it visible? Is this? Yep. Uh this uh this uh grid here, this like 14 panel grid. I um we we did the we did the script and everything was coming in and I I was like, "Oh, I really want to do a nine panel grid because they're in vogue and I want to be cool." Um and I want to be a big grown-up writer. And my editor was like, "Hey, maybe let Hayden decide 
the pacing for this page. He, my editor was like, you know, a nine panel grid, it might be too busy, might be too much. Hayden's work is very detailed, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's totally fair. I'll, I'll be like, do a fight scene. Here's some ideas, as many panels as you want. If nine is too much, I understand. And Hayden t- <laughs> turns around this grid with four, he turns out this layout with 14 panels and he goes, yeah, or they, or they go, they go, um, yeah, yeah, I could fit it all in there. <laughs> And I was like, you're, you're right, uh, editor. Nine panel grid was not the right call. <laughs> <You're 14. laughs> uh, they're, they're so, and I mean, their work since on Wasted Space. And uh, I actually, they, got, they did one uh, chapter in the Sublime graphic novel that we just put out at Z2 uh, a few months ago or a month or two ago. And they did some incredible stuff with layout. I mean, just a storytelling genius. So I was very lucky that that was my first Marvel gig. And uh, from there, I did I did a couple uh, I did a Venom uh, single issue, an annual with um, S- Simone, uh, who's on. Um, well, we only find them when they're dead now. Um, so that was mm-hmm. also another. I I just got lucky with artists. I'm just some like pleasant chump uh, <laughs> over here. <laughs> uh, and then I did like the brute force uh, six pager with David Baldion, which is like one of the funnest things I've ever worked on. See, like every time I name one of these oh. guys, it's like a murderer's row of really talented artists uh, that I just get lucky enough to work with. Oh yeah. We're going to get to the, to that uh, one shot, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, I don't want to say lucky cause I know you worked hard, but you, you've have been kind of lucky at Marvel to be in like big moments even uh, like Old Man Logan was a big deal when it was happening. You got mm-hmm. involved with Venom during Donnie's. I mean, you did stuff with Heroes Reborn. Oh, man, um, that, was, that was going on. That was so fun. Uh, that was I mean, that feels like a long time ago, but I guess that was just this past May. Um, yeah. And then I've done yeah. DC stuff as well. Obviously, I don't know if you want to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Is yeah. that a separate. I don't know your, your structure. <laughs> oh, no. No, that's fine if you want to uh, move over to that too. No, no, I was like chronologically, I was trying to remember when I did the talent. Um, I guess I was living in New York when I did the, when I was in the class for the DC talent workshop. So that would have been before I actually got um, Marvel work. I was in the um, DC's talent development workshop with Scott Snyder that they do all over, um, all it was all over Skype. Um, it's 2016, I think. Oh, wow. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but we all, it was me. Um, that, that year, the writers were Mags Visaggio, Sonia Anwar, Joey Esposito, Philip Kennedy Johnson, uh, Robert Jeffrey. And uh, is that all and then me? Am I the last oh, one? It's, yeah. It's a rule on this show. Uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson is the superstar known as Philip Kennedy Johnson. Uh, uh, I, I call him. <laughs> <laughs> he is amazing. Uh, brilliant writer. Phenomenal dad. Kind guy. Uh, and PKJ is a very fun initial to say. I have, I, have, <laughs> I, I want his, I want his success to rise only because it's really nice to be like, oh, you know PKJ, that guy rules. <laughs> I, I, I don't want it to come off as like uh, uh, trying to talk about another writer while I'm talking <laughs> to you, but yeah, Philip's been a guy I've been a huge fan of for a while. Like everything he's been doing, from Alien to his Superman stuff to um last god when he was doing it and mm. i've just been saying like that, that dude god. is going to be a superstar it's just destined at this point he's too good not to but <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> but um so yeah you do that what's what's their talent um search like is they i mean do they work with you guys to do something and try to develop you to bring in full time or yeah i mean i don't uh i, I want to make sure i don't uh violate four-year-old five-year-old ndas here uh, uh no it oh. was no no you're fine you're not it's not a you pressuring me thing i'm um <laughs> uh i think we were the second to last year they did it um and it was for writers uh it was just you know it was like a a short-term graduate workshop we would meet over zoom with scott um snyder for like uh, a couple hours a week and we would analyze a, an issue or a series or a run, and we would break it down and talk about it. We would turn in our own assignments um, and and just sort of like critique each other, get notes from each other, sort of like uh, do test runs of how uh, a DC run would work and how we would prepare ourselves and pitch things. And then we all got to be in that. Um, at the end of it, we all did a story for the New Talent Showcase. Um, we teamed up with a, an artist. So Isaac Goodhart and I teamed up and did the Zatanna short. Um, PKJ did the did the Batman. He got the Batman story in there. 
Um, I don't, I don't remember who. I think he had. Did he have Amilcar? No, no, Amilcar wasn't around. I don't remember who his artist. Uh, I also, I, I realize I'm like going way off base here and talking about every creator who I, who I've ever met as if they are like just just off screen and well acquainted with everybody's friends with everybody. <laughs> I, I can't help it. I uh, I just I like these people a lot. They're all really lovely. Um, Sometimes I feel like in comics that's how it is. Because I'll bring up somebody and they'll be like, oh yeah, I'm really good friends with that guy. It's like, how do you all know each other? <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, I, you know, maybe we're all just forming like unhealthy parasocial relationships with each other, but we've all been doing it for so long that they've all evolved into normal relationships somehow. <laughs> so that, I mean, that's interesting that, um, I mean, knowing Scott and being a fan of his work as long as I have, it makes sense that he wants to do something like that. He's a teacher at heart, but oh yeah, having guys come together and kind of critique their work to try to um better themselves it seems interesting that dc or any company would really put in the effort to do something like that and of course they got a few great writers and talent out of that as well so no i think programs like that again right like the talent hunt uh the top cow talent hunt as well like i i think you know i I see a lot of stuff online about like you should never do work for free and you absolutely shouldn't i think there's a difference between an exploitative like everybody make art for this hashtag and a a corporation will give the winner a gift card. I think there's a big difference between that and like, Hey, email your portfolio to uh, a company that you know and want to work for. And they might select your portfolio out of a big list to like really help get you a place in this. Like, I, I think there's a, there are good talent programs and there are like good workshops and we need more things like that. Um, if we want to foster new talent and like actually help people and prepare them to work in, in this industry. Yeah. Hopefully they bring that back. That's a really cool one. It reminds me a little bit of, uh, um, going back to Marvel. They're like young gun search. Yeah. What they're calling it now. Um, it's like sto- storms or, or storm breakers, storm breakers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, just going back to Marvel real quick. You, yeah. And you did that one shot. It was a weapon. Uh, what oh. was it called? Weapon World War Three or something like that. <laughs> it was. I, I remember the title because it's, it's it's like a, it's such a long title, and I had to like say it's it's Weapon Plus World War Four. That's uh, what it was. Ben Percy wrote the the main story. Um, oh, I, I can't remember who drew his story. I'm sorry, artist. Um, it was like yeah, it was man man thing, but it was manslaughter. It was like man thing the with the big guns. Uh, yeah, and then David Baldeon and I did the the brute force backup story. And that was one of my favorite things of that year because um, <laughs> just so we were getting into this, uh, this Jason Aaron Avengers run where like man thing was kind of a part of it. And then we had mm-hmm. this one shot and it was this weird, like wacky thing with man thing doing what he was doing. <laughs> and then I got to it and I'm just like, there's brute force in this. What is going on? I love this. So why brute force? <laughs> we well, so Chris Chris Robinson uh, was the was my, the editor at Marvel. I talked to the most of the time. He's a great guy and a good friend, and a very very smart writer in his own right for sure. Um, and he was like, "I want you to do a brute force story." I think I get Dave Bellion on it, and he was like, "You know, he kicked a few ideas at me and things I wanted. He was just like, just show them." Uh, we we need to he was like we need to figure out a way to really balance out like the meta textual like I don't think he used annoying words like that but uh, like brute force is silly and we need to acknowledge that brute force is silly but we also need to make brute force like fucking cool uh, and so we were kind of like we we had a few we do the things in there where the animals we were like oh what if they can't we can't have them talk because that'll be too corny but what if they can give like we make it clear that the the cyborg animals of brute force can can have feelings and be sad <laughs> as they fight eco terrorists. Um, and so, yeah, we just wanted to do like a little uh, funny thing like that. So we came up with the like like red light, green light signals from each yeah. of the animals, and how could we use like a red light, green light to be like, oh no, Doctor Echo the dolphin is experiencing the slow loss of his hyper-intelligence and sentience as he dies, and just squealing out dolphin sounds. <laughs> um, so great. Uh, and we had a line in there that got cut, but it was like my favorite thing, where you like the, you know, 
I think the event at the time was like, let's explain all the weapon plus programs, right? Like weapon X yeah. is Wolverine and weapon one is Captain America, you know? Um, and so we have a scene at the rap. They were like the, whatever the brute force action is, it has to end with the scientists talking about brute force. And so we did that. And we have a line in there where the scientists are talking and our like implication was that an intern who had worked at weapon plus had made the nineties brute force comics, like as a project to like, uh, sell the American public on the idea of animal warriors. <laughs> and there's, there's a line that got cut where the guy's talking, one of the scientists is talking about like, oh, we shouldn't let the animals die. Like they're beautiful, like creatures that are helping fight for the earth. And this guy's like, the nineties are over doctor. Uh, <laughs> he like throws the comic book away. Uh, I'm probably glad we changed it, but I, I love that the nineties are over. And I think about it every time uh, I get to sign one of those issues. So it's coming back to me. That was a um, the reason I got into that was it was a Captain America centric thing because mm-hmm. Cap was Weapon One. Yeah. Oh, and it was like and Cap I, and Wolverine teaming up, right? Like exploring. Yeah, yeah. And then at some point before Weapon Plus came out, there was like a thing in the back um, that had all the weapons, and one of them said brute force. <laughs> and that's when I was just like, I'm following this to the end. It's Cap, so I love Cap, so I'm gonna sure. follow it, but. As soon as they brought up Brute Force, I'm like, I got to see what's going on here because Brute Force is just one of those wacky, awesome ideas that I want brought back so bad. It is the most like these are action figures thing and and getting to like try and not like make that edgy uh, because I didn't want to go like edgelord with it. But like having fun with that and like taking that to like an extreme level was was a was a blast. No, I uh, let me be clear on I do not want the Dark Knight Returns of Brute Force. Do not give me that. Stick to the script. <laughs> give me Captain Planet, but with yes. animals that are sentient. <laughs> totally. And, and is it a fever dream in my head, or did they also have like the NFL All Stars in the background of that book as well somewhere? Oh man, not uh not in ours, but um <laughs> I don't want to say that the NFL All Stars did not make a reappearance. Like I don't, I can't, I can't deny that they were not around at some point. Uh, it was one of those things where it wasn't the NFL All Stars because trademarks, we can't use that. But you saw, it, you're like, it's the NFL All Stars, guys. Look at that, <laughs> the football superheroes. <laughs> I'm sure everything worked out for them in the Marvel universe. Uh, this, uh, I love great storytelling. I love like awesome comics. But this is what makes me fall in love with comics: is this shit because. <laughs> Where else do we get brute force and superheroes that are also football players and all this weird stuff? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> a unique medium. <laughs> so, uh, and this sticking with my kind of, you've gotten into good positions throughout Marvel. You, you then eventually get winter guard right around the time that uh, they're making a black widow movie so how did that go for you well you know it's that's the thing is you know uh, i love winter garden i love the work we've done on it and it's been really cool to see it come out but like we started work on that book like over a year ago like uh, a year over a year ago uh you know we it was you know timing it to coincide with the black widow movie and stuff but there were all the delays from covid for like single issue comics and stuff with printers. And there are all the delays with uh, like the delays from pushing the black widow movie as well. And so it was like a scramble of like, Oh man, I got to make this book come out at like, like I got to um, maximize the timing for like continuity reasons and stuff. Um, so it was, it was like an exciting, in addition to like the challenge of writing a cast of like, way too many characters uh the like okay let's 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 make this come out perfect timing wise uh and we'll see i mean the next issue comes out in like three weeks so two or three weeks so we'll we'll see when if i did it right or not <laughs> i think i did okay i'm pretty i mean you know luckily yan bells will do a just you know she <laughs> takes a lot of the heavy lifting off me so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's gotta be cool uh you have a book coming i mean it's a book coming out around the time of a big movie and it centers around characters in the movie so it's obviously it got a lot of publicity going into it um and then i, I mean you got you added some other stuff to it of the the russian superhero lore that i love um with the winter guard and uh 
I, I, I don't really know where I'm going with that. I'll no, gush right. about it. But uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, I, I will endeavor my best to take compliments uh, and not deflect all of them. Uh, <laughs> no, like people love Dark Star. I love Dark Star. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't ready for like the amount of people that like really love Dark Star, which is great. Yeah. Um, because from the get go, I was like. Well, I like her powers because they're spooky and she can hang out with Chernobyl. I, I have a very clear bias in this book. I'm trying really hard to give everyone all the attention, but I fucking love <laughs> Chernobog and I love and I've decided that he and Darkstar should like hang out a lot. Uh, so I <laughs> very clear like, sorry, Yelena Belova, I want you and Red Guardian to get the attention that this book and the movie demands you get. But also look at the monster and the darkness portal lady. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's it, even though it's before my time because I was born after. I love all that Cold War stuff. So the mm. idea of all these like villains that are just Soviet copies of the American villains, it's just such a simple and awesome idea. And I I do remember. Um, I mean, I'm just going to title this name drop the podcast <laughs> uh, when we were talking to Kelly Thompson about Black Widow, and this is mm. pre COVID, and the movie was supposed to come out. Yeah, and that book, and I think your book was supposed to come out along with it, and like, um, was there a Red Guardian book as well that was coming out around that time? Not like there was the, a whole slate of yeah. stuff. So I remember that whole delay. That mm-hmm. I mean, how do you, how did you guys take those big delays during COVID? Like, you you worked all this time on this. You're supposed to like, you have this perfectly timed to come out with this huge movie that's coming out, and then it's just like, all right, guys, like we don't know what's going to happen or if it's going to come out. But. Yeah. I, I mean, it's kind of, a, it, it's one of the unfortunate things about not unfortunate, but it's one of the, you know, the hurdles you have to be ready for. I mean, Kelly did, did some Kelly and Elena did some masterful work on, on black widow and, you know, making their timing work. And obviously like I'd, I was reading that book like up until like every single issue uh, ahead, obviously, but her scripts and stuff and trying to just like, okay, I got to match what would you, Lena? Oh, should I maybe not have her do this? Because, you know, in this issue of Black Widow that that Kelly is going to have come out like three months before Winter Guard, this and this happens. So I'll, I want to make sure this and this and, and just like really um, not in a bad way at all, but like really trying to have everything in sync um, and, and also like have timing make sense for like a, a movie premiere and, and stuff like that. Um you know, it, it helps when it helps that like everybody else is like really doing a good job and kicking ass. So it's it's a matter of like I can keep up, uh, but I get to keep up. Um, it's not like you know nobody's slouching. Uh, and you know, yeah. obviously, Jason Aaron's Avengers. I mean, my third issue of Winter Guard is like I cl- I I read the Jason Aaron Dracula issues of Avengers and I was like I sorry we need to talk about Dracula for a second. Uh I need yes. to- <laughs> We we just need to do Dracula stuff for a while. I'm sorry. Uh- <laughs> yes, can we all talk about the fact that Dracula now owns a nation in Chernobyl everybody? Like this is happening. <laughs> I I feel like someone on Twitter like like 5 or 10 years ago just like can we talk about Dracula? <laughs> Uh, like a really bad like CNN headline, like no one's talking about the vampire who owns Chernobyl and turned it into a country. Uh- <laughs> oh my god, could somebody do that? <laughs> somebody make the fake CNN report for uh, me. <laughs> yeah, somebody, somebody who photoshops, get on that. Uh, oh. um, but yeah, no, it's it's that the the timing and matching thing is up. I think uh, I I uh, this is a little soapboxy and corny, but um. I'm not like a big auteur guy. I I really hate um, this vision of art uh, as like the great auteur, this this sole person from their own like soul, like carves out this brilliant work and it's all on them. And it's like, that's so I I get why people love that. And I get why some artists feel like that and writers and everybody, but, uh, and I'm using artists in the broad term, obviously. But, but that mindset is so like it's not true for a lot of works of art and it's really it's damaging to the person making the thing because like it paints you as like a lonely like all the works on you and what i love about comics especially again almost every work of art is like this but comics you you kind of can't deny it in the obvious process of like this is collaborative this is not this is people coming together across the board to make something beautiful um i love star wars i'm like a huge star wars fan and i feel like 
Star Wars is a good lesson to be like, oh yeah, if the auteur George Lucas was the only person who got to do anything on Star Wars, you get not great Star Wars. But when you have a bunch of people coming together to make the best version of a thing, you get amazing Star Wars. And I think comics lends itself to that, like, you can't ignore that that this is all of us working together to make things great, to make make a, a better art form, to to keep our stories in line with each other and 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 lift each other all up. I guess. Um. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with being uh, Alan Moore and wanting to make Watchmen. Like, no, no, I, no. I get, but um, most of most people who do Watchmen fail, and I think there's a part of uh, that's missed in our industry now mm-hmm. of. Why can't some things just be fun? Why can't Dracula have a, a nation in Chernobyl that he runs and the Avengers have to fight him and then Blades the Sheriff? Why? Like, what's wrong with that? That's awesome. That's what's fun. Wrong with that? uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I agree. But, but honestly, like, even even if you are like going for Watchmen, right? I feel like that we have we have lost the nar- the, the narrative around Watchmen of like or even of more work. You know, I, I don't think Al, like, I'm not going to put words in Alan Moore's mouth, uh, but I don't think he would view himself as like, oh yeah, this is just, I just went off on my own and made my brilliant, great work. It was like, I was responding to things at the time and people I wanted to work with and, and ideas and collaboration and like, you know, my voice in that environment, I guess. Um, I, I, you know, uh, I, I think that's like a really beautiful thing to acknowledge. And it's like, it's much easier and uh, upfront and, and good to see when it's like, Hey, let's just like work together have fun. It's kind of like D and D right. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's people notice the collaborative aspects of it and compromise aspects of it more easier when it's like kind of goofy and everybody's doing stuff. But I, I think, you know, even when it's like, anyway, I was rambling about how uh, great art, takes a collaborative mindset and that's cool <laughs> yeah and uh the collaboration I, I agree with you there and I, wearing off. and I always tell people um just so me and you can keep promoting other people's stuff um yeah by all honestly if that's what this sh- if that's what this episode of the show devolves into where we just talk about people we love and how good their stuff is I would be more than happy to have I always encourage people who um are comic readers and especially big Alan Moore fans there's DC probably this collaboration it's just called like the stories of Alan Moore oh yeah and, and some of my favorite stuff that he's done is when he was doing Green Lantern Corps and he's doing these one-shot stories about random Green Lanterns and they weren't like the craziest Alan Moore thing ever they were in continuity they were kind of just fun and cool and I'm like see even Alan Moore like played the game once in a while and he just had some fun and did some cool stuff. And it took that and some other things to eventually get to who Alan Moore became, but yeah. Yeah. And exactly. That's the thing is that even, but you know, even, you know, works that are critical or more examining come from that place of having had that love of a thing and having a great passion for the, the genre and art, um, which is real nice. Uh, yeah, it's not, it doesn't feel, you can tell the integrity, you know? Yeah. So, uh, Ryan, outside of your Marvel stuff right now, you also are doing this, uh, did you only do two of the, um, music books that you were working on? Oh, uh, no, I've actually, I've done, um, I've done quite a few of those. Um, obviously I did two, uh, volumes with Poppy, um, and she and I kind of collaborated on, you know, telling kind of. Uh, I don't know if you'd call it like sci-fi, like Black Mirror-esque stories, I guess. Um, And then I I did the Sublime sort of bio um, collection of like tour story stuff uh, with a whole slew of not just Hayden, uh, but a whole slew of really talented artists. Um, That's all through Z2. And then I also did, um, I don't know, it kind of, uh, it came out at a weird time during the pandemic. So I feel like a lot of people don't, pay as much attention to it but um the boy uh jason aaron and i uh jason wrote uh half the stories that i wrote half the stories did a um uh sturgill simpson um the the country musician he has that i mean country he's he defies genres i don't know mm-hmm. uh he he uh 
he did that anime on Netflix toward the beginning of the pandemic. And so we teamed up at Z2 um, and they hired me and Jason. Um, and again, like 10 really, really talented artists. Uh, Rosie Campe did a story in there with me. Um, the guys from uh, Batman Ninja did a bunch of the art direction and stories for it. And we just did like a prequel to Sturgill Simpson's uh, Sound and Fury anime. And it ties into his album and all that stuff. Um, so Jason Aaron did like the main story, three chapters or four chapters. And I did the, all the side story, three or four chapters. Um, and that came out, I think last spring. Um, and then the last of the music book things, uh, uh, Elliot Ray Hall, another ingenious creator who I could sing praises forever. Uh, and I did, um, we did this anthology for machine gun kelly with him uh, yeah he, he legit helped out that guy freaking loves comics um he has like a saga tattoo and stuff um we we did a it's it's called hotel diablo but it's very like twilight zoney it's just like a, a group of uh anthology stories loosely connected by a sort of horror sci-fi conceit and it was all about people in this mysterious hotel and stuff um and we got to work with some some really great talent on that and make some good stories. And then most recently, exhaustively, the last one is that uh, Morgan Beam and I are doing a short for the last podcast on the left anthology they just announced. Uh, so that's a, lot, that's a lot of music book stuff I've, I've kept busy. Yeah, and it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, I'm people listen to the show know I'm a little bit of a old soul, so I'm a little old man that's get cool. off my lawn on stuff. But uh <laughs> Uh, the the anime. I'm not even familiar with that. I I did not know that was a thing. So it it was like was a Netflix a- uh single production. It was like just one movie. Um, but oh, sorry. Go ahead with your question. Sorry. I was just gonna say, what is it? Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> so Sturgill is like a huge anime fan. I I think he um he was in a branch of the armed forces. I think and lived over there for a while. Um, and so he you know. While he's been making music, I think he's friends with Jason Aaron as well. I, they must all know each other. Uh, but while he's you know made music, he did this concept album, Sound and Fury, and he wanted to kind of tell this sort of wild, post-apocalyptic samurai anime story. Um, and it's, it's really cool. It's very visually interesting. It, again, it's like a lot of the team people who made that Batman Ninja anime. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's all on Netflix. I mean, I... I, I I would totally say y'all should watch it. It's, it's really pretty and fun and exciting uh, and bleak. Um, but then our, our anime or our, our, um, the graphic novel that you know, Jason and I um, worked on, uh, it is like a kind of a prequel to the, the main girl in the anime and her like journey of revenge and also how the world fell apart. Um, so it's, it's, it's some, it's, it's a good, not necessarily like half post-apocalyptic half, during apocalyptic uh, ad- adventure um, with some cool samurai elements and a lot of like Mad Max stuff as well. Cool. Well, I'll, I'll have to add that to my list. I know a few people that be right up their alley. Um, and then, so sublime when you did sublime. Yeah. Uh, was that just you doing research and stuff or did you guys get to go and talk to the band and like do their whole story? I got um, to talk. It was a lot of um, a lot of research existed because they just put together a documentary. Um, yeah. But I got to talk with Bud Gaw, um, drummer from the band, and a few other people. I'm I've born and raised in Southern California, so um, it was a lot of like the book is a vibe, I guess. <laughs> I guess, um, but that was it was really crazy to get to like talk to him and email other uh, people involved with the band back and forth and like read like firsthand accounts and new stories and sort of adapt stuff. It, you know, it's, it is a, it is a biography, but it's, it's more about like highlighting specific moments and like urban legends about them and like crazy stories about the band that are actually true or misconceptions and things like that. And some heartfelt like, Oh man, here's how this song was made stuff. Um, so that was like, it was a whirlwind to work on. That's really cool. That's right up my alley. That's uh, 90s punk rock ska. That's right in my sweet spot. <laughs> it, it is. It, I, especially for that, I think, you know, it's it's got a lot of like, oh, I bet you you, you didn't know when they met. Um, he, Here's a story about them meeting, uh, like, no doubt. And here's a story about them, you know, playing Warped Tour for the first time and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I was, I felt 
it was very exciting to hear those stories firsthand. And so I feel very lucky to get to translate them with, you know, like people, like I said, like Hayden and like uh, Logan Fairburn and, and people who are more talented than me, uh, artistically, <laughs> certainly. Uh, I got, I, I like, uh, I know a lot of comic writers can draw <laughs> like and have an art background but i have tried in vain for years and i can barely manage like stick figure layouts so <laughs> i am always just blown away i feel lucky to get to work with any artist really yeah it's it's unreal when you think of something and then you're like i have an idea in my head and let's you know i'm gonna type it out and we make this whole script and then somebody like gives you the page and you're like it's way better when I was thinking. Oh, wow, shit. <laughs> you should do this for a living. Uh, I'm going to take credit for this later. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to I'm going to not remember your name on a podcast later and talking about okay. <laughs> uh so yeah, the Machine Gun Kelly thing. I remember when he went on like not that I watched these, I think I saw on Twitter afterwards, but he went on like Jimmy Kimball or something was talking about it. Oh, yeah. Was that something few- that Oh, go ahead. No, he, I was saying, yeah, he did a few. I think he was on Seth Meyers and showing it off a little bit too. He did a few of them. Um, yeah. But yeah, sorry. Was that something that you you guys collaborated with him on? Or um, was that something that he like put together and he we, did a story on his own? No, no, it was, it was very collaborative. It was nice. Um, honestly, it, it's one of the ideal... Um, you know, I know like sometimes working with uh, like a person outside of comics on their adaptation can be like a crapshoot and I, you hear horror stories, but that was actually, it was really like, I mean, me and Elliot hopped on the phone with him quite a few times um, and would just like go back and forth. He, he very much like had a vision for things and he had like cool ideas and helpful notes and stuff, but he also like wanted to let us do our own thing. Like we would just pitch ideas at him and he would pitch ideas at us and we sort of like refined stuff together and, and you know, there was no annoying meddling. There was like just the right amount of like collaboration. It was really cool. And I, I feel I'm like really stoked about the product. I have a story in there um, about like a bad Pope. Uh, that uh, Amil Carpina drew, and I am just like over the moon at the art in there. I, I am like, oh, like I think it's an awesome book. I think we did, all did a really good job. Elliot's, all of Elliot Rahal's stories are are very like heart wrenching and good. Uh, but even if somehow this book was awful and was the opposite of what it is, and I was not proud of it, I would still be like, yeah, but that Amil Carpina art really slaps, though. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, uh, another uh, another like oh I'm so glad. Uh, Who ended up publishing that? Uh, Z2. These are all most all these music books are through Z2 Comics, um, and they you know I, they fly under the radar a lot I think because of the nature of putting out these music books. But they're like a really really passionate bunch of people making you know trying to really bridge the gap between how do we make help a you know a, a recording artist make something that is both a genuine valuable work of art and like cool merch uh they're like we we will figure out a way to do both uh with comics um and they put out a ton of stuff with a lot of great creators um my buddy trace dean just did an all-time low book through them um i think they just announced uh, i mean they did that anthrax anthology um oh they did that one yeah yeah um so they did quite a few i mean the um and other stuff too. They, I think they did like a Balmain, um, like the fashion company art book. They do a lot um, of like high end product stuff like that. Um, Interesting. And there, they are as well. That last podcast on the left thing I talked about. They are putting that uh, sort of anthology collection together. I guess you'd call it. Yeah. So what's what's that one about? I'm not familiar with last podcast on the left either. So maybe. Oh, okay. Introduce no, no. me to that. <laughs> <laughs> They're um. Last podcast on the left, they kind of like they will cover uh, serial killers or conspiracy theories or sort of like stuff that people who like those two things are into cryptids, urban legends, stuff like that. And they will do sort of in-depth analyses of the history around these um, like people or events and things and sort of cover them and, and also sort of talk about the more outlandish stuff. I, what I like about last podcast on the left is that there is like a healthy division between uh we are going to talk about this in depth and seriously and also we are going to talk about the more like batshit absurd aspects that people believe about this serial killer or cryptid or conspiracy um 
And so Morgan Beam uh, and I, uh, she's an incredible, she did uh, family traded image. She did swamp thing um, uh, at DC that like a uh, middle grade swamp thing, why swamp thing book um, to. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we also did Wolfsbane together. We did the line webtoon free web comic together, uh, which I actually can't say what it is, but I will have exciting news about in a few months, uh, a couple months. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I feel like uh, creators do that on podcasts a lot, and maybe it maybe it is perfectly fine. But it I, every time I do it, I always feel like such a schmuck, being like, "Well, I have a big secret that I can talk about in a couple months." Uh, it's like who cares. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, listen, everybody out there. There's uh, there's contracts and there's money and there's other things involved with this. So if if you were to come, and I'm talking to my audience now more than you, but if he was to come onto the show and say like, I'm doing, guys, I'm gonna be taking over Captain America next month. Hopefully, <laughs> that's not one of them, so I didn't bust you. But well, please, by all means, start that rumor because that will be great for my career. Uh- <laughs> But that might get him in a tiny bit of trouble with Marvel and some other publishers where they're like, maybe he can't be trusted with things. So I I completely understand. Hopefully everyone <laughs> out there understands as well. Um, thank you. I, I hope so. I, I, I always don't ever want to be a jackass about it. Uh, but yeah, uh, we did that Wolfsbane uh, line webtoon, which is free on webtoon, by the way, if anybody wants to download or go to their website or whatever and read an awesome book about uh, a, a the last in a long line of werewolf hunters fighting some really fucked up looking werewolves. Um, Morgan is a brilliant watercolor artist who is really good at drawing. She doesn't get a chance to do it as much. I feel like, but she's really good at drawing fucked up shit. Uh, and it looks dope. Um, and so we are doing a story for last podcast on the left. This, their, their comic collection is kind of, uh, I guess like you'd almost say like mad magazine inspired in its sense of like, there are going to be short stories and, and like, um, articles and all sorts of stuff um we are doing a short story about (laughs) how i how i might be related to the horrible serial killer albert fish and uh how my my family tries to pretend that that doesn't happen um uh there's more to it but that's sort of like the the tagline all right so they're taking all these things and then trying to make like kind of multimedia like I don't want to say fanzine, but almost like that kind of style. Yeah, book yeah, out like, of it. yeah, like an accompanying like, oh, like here's stuff that here's stories about this person or this aspect of this thing that would make more sense to tell in comic form, uh, like either expansions or adaptations or whatever that like don't, you know, it doesn't work as a podcast. It's like stuff that you can add through in this media, like you said, multimedia stuff. Have, have they done sheep squash yet? Are you aware of Sheep Squash? I'm not aware of Sheep Squash. They have so many episodes. I don't, I don't, that doesn't sound familiar, but they might, what, what, what's, uh, tell me about Sheep Squash. I want to know. Okay. Okay. I still want to be the first one. He's a half man. He's a half Sasquatch, half sheep who lives down in, I think it's Louisiana. And I'm trying to make something out of it. You're not like, fuck it. You're not like fucking with me right now. Right. Or is this like, this is a real thing. Nobody knows about it. And I'm just like, why does nobody know about this? Because it's so weird and stupid. Why don't they want us to know who is hiding sheep squatch from us? The The government. That's who. No, (laughs) I wish I could believe that the government could be capable of fast and terrible conspiracies. Uh, I've, I've, I learned a long time ago it's not possible. I've talked to some representatives <laughs> in my area, um. <laughs> but sheep's maybe they can't because all the resources are spent on covering up sheep squatch. Like there's no there's no time for anything else because it's all about sheep squatch. That's that's why someone like me has to do it because yeah. I don't got to answer nobody. I I just got to make it. You're a loose cannon on the hunt for sheep squatch. <laughs> Man, you are uh, you're really cranking out some work over there. Um, <laughs> did we miss anything that you have coming out? No, uh, thank you. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, my big things are be you know, Winter Guard is the four issues spy stuff is coming to a close. the The series finale is again, I think, uh, two or three weeks, um, and that will sort of wrap up the story of them in this sort of time period. At least my story to tell with them, um, and then I have. Um, aside from all the stuff we just talked about, uh, I have two exciting secret DC comics things happening at some point in the next six months or so. Uh, 
um, which is like the least helpful of a scoop ever, but it's the most exciting I can, it's the most buzz worthy I can get about them without going into detail. Well, I mean, after I made that speech, what is it? Tell us. <laughs> uh, it's the sh- it's Sheep Squatch. Um, it's Damn Sheep it, Squatch. DC. Sheep Squatch and Swamp Thing and Killer Croc and Solomon Grundy are going on an adventure together. And it's the Monster Squad of DC Comics. And Sheep Squatch oh. is guest starring. You just got to bring back the world champ, uh, Killer Croc Morgan. Killer Croc. Everybody forgets he's the world champ. (laughs) There won't be, but see, here's the thing. That's the twist about this Monster Squad book, is there won't be any fighting of any kind, whether in a ring, sanctioned, or or just against superheroes. It's just going to be about the Monster Squad going around helping people, and then also trying to avoid getting caught on camera. It's going to be some shenanigans. It's going to be some wacky anti-Scooby-Doo hijinks, but I really think... I, I can't keep this bit up. Nobody's going to... Because I want it to be real now. Like. <laughs> yeah, Greg... I'm going to have Greg Capullo. He's going to do all the... All the... <laughs> He's coming back for Monster, coming out for Monster Squad two. Uh, every issue, John Constantine will show up and do something. Uh, so yeah, I, he's got stuff. We started this with DC animated TV, so I'll bring it back. I oh, recently yeah. did a rewatch of Batman the animated series, and now I'm on Batman Beyond. Ooh, but, so. Croc became like one of my favorite characters because he's <laughs> he's introduced as a wrestling champion. Yes. Uh, the world champ, Killer Croc Morgan. And then everybody forgets that in like the best episode, um, the one where they're sitting around the poker table talking about almost got him. That's what's called. Yes. Oh, is that the name of the episode? That's so good. That's yeah. so good. And uh, everybody forgets that like Batman dresses up as Croc to infiltrate <laughs> the poker game. And just acts like an idiot the whole time, which proves that Bruce just thinks that Croc is a moron. <laughs> is that really? Is that really how Batman busts? I remember that poker game scene. Is he? He's in disguise as Croc the whole time. Yeah. So at the Jeez. end, he just like unzips and oh, then he's mad. <laughs> he just says the dumbest things. And I'm like, so Batman just thinks that Croc's an idiot, like a little no other way you would act like that. A little condescending. You know, that's the thing is that like Batman has to fight enough dudes who are just big fucked up monster dudes. And like a lot of them have really sympathetic, like Clayface has like a tragic sympathetic backstory and like some versions of Solomon Grundy have like that really tragic sympathy. So like Batman is like, Hey man, I'm sick of fighting these big guys with more to him. Were you like a fucking wrestler? Fuck off out of here, dummy. Like, (laughs) uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know if a billionaire uh, has respect for professional wrestling. Like, I like Batman. I think he's I think he's a cool guy, but I just feel like he does not respect the professional wrestling community. Listen, I, I don't want to I don't want to get super political here, but it's obvious that billionaires do respect professional wrestling. Oh, we did have a president who was Stone Cold Stunnered, so Stone Cold Stunnered. <laughs> and if only they had repeated that uh, antic. Um yeah, I, I think we need more wrestling crossovers. I, I think Killer Croc should wrestle on on page more often. He should enter the WWE. Yeah, well, I mean, why not? I mean, Garth Ennis has him as a hermaphrodite who apparently has a child, and I don't know what the hell's going on in that book, oh, yeah, but he it's does awesome. Have, uh, you, I, I flipped open... <laughs> I was in the comic shop the other day, and I flipped open... Uh, that first page, the most recent recent issue, where just the page opens with like "you should suckle him" or whatever. And I, I don't remember. I remember who I was with, but it was someone who didn't know anything about that series, and they were like, "What the fuck?" And I'm like, "It's Croc, man. It's cool. It's Croc." <laughs> oh boy, uh, it's good stuff. The treasure. It's good stuff. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. I forgot. Oh, that was what I was going to bring up. So I got to bring up one last thing for Please. you. So you're in, you're at DC. You're in the minds of the DC people. I'm in the. <laughs> okay. DC's sitting on a gold mine. Oh boy. And I've been pushing this for years now. Please. So when uh, Grant Morrison ended his run on Doom Patrol, I forget the lady's name, but a woman took over and she wrote a few issues of Doom Patrol, and she created the greatest villain of all time. His name is Codpiece. Oh shit! Um, again, okay. So I'm not a big Doom Patrol guy, but I know what you're talking about. Um, I know, but fuck. Um, 
Anyway, proceed. This is going to bother me. He literally has a suit with a codpiece on it with a cannon where his cock should be. And it also shoots like punching bag arms. So if that Does could it really come shoot back, punching bag arms too? Yes. I've, I've, and also, seen, I've seen still shots of codpiece, but never. <laughs> so everybody, so if you've seen a still shot of codpiece, it's probably because I've shared it um, everywhere on the internet. <laughs> um, and the, everybody has the one of him shooting the cannon. There is one with him yeah. with a punching bag. And then my, my personal favorite that I don't That's use good. enough is he had to break into a, uh, a building and so he was able to get a little drill to come out of it and drill a hole into the wall. <laughs> no. Uh, okay, so here's the thing. Just trying to advance your career here, Ryan. That is exciting stuff. <laughs> but all I want to say about that is that that's all shit Green Arrow can do from a distance. You know? So I'm less impressed. Now, if Codpiece has... Does he have... If he had the range... <sighs> They're like, can the drill shoot out? Because Green Arrow could like shoot a little drill or like a USB or a punching bag. Like, does Codpiece have so, the range? So, let me start here. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Green Arrow may be able to do these things, but can he do it from a unit that is connected to his genitalia? No. So, I'm like not as could. impressed. Um, <laughs> he could, he could saying- do like a Dusk Till Dawn, uh, but like, you know, uh, an arrow instead of a, a, a crotch. Like, if he, if he did like an angle where he like had his leg up and he did like an under the leg, you know, the, the, it's connected to the cod piece. Uh, I sure hope the video doesn't show too much of me there. Uh, I hope that video showed just the right amount. Um, <laughs> I look, I don't want to, I don't sex appeals part of the show. Uh. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I don't, I don't want to trample all over your cod piece dreams here. I just want to, I just more, what I want to propose is that perhaps Oliver Queen could moonlight as codpiece, but he's like arranged, arranged codpiece. Listen, if you want, to, if you want to reinvent Green Arrow as codpiece, I, I'm not going to argue with you. I, I mean, I, you're the writer here. Look, I don't, <laughs> I don't proclaim to know more than people who've actually written Green Arrow over the last couple years. But you know, every hero goes through their their nomad moment, or their you know their Spider-Man no more, or you know their first time as Nightwing, or whatever. You know, like. Why can't Green Arrow, he has to go find himself for a while. And he's on his like self-exploring dark tea time of the soul. And that manifests in the somewhat inappropriate but very effective no-holds-barred vigilante that is Codpiece. Um, he just has a little bow that is affixed inexplicably to his Codpiece. And he has, to, he has to shoot from a very sexy position. You know, his angle is very, it's very erotic. Um, it's Listen, Greco-Roman. I don't need any credit. I just, just send me a signed copy of issue one. <laughs> You'll get a special all ask. You'll get a special all ask. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the least I can li- do. But listen, I'm bringing this to you. They've only used them once. Hey, really? So you, you could reinvent Codpiece. Mm, I mean. It's time. It's time. Break down the barriers. It's, it's been like ready. almost 30 years. The world is ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> the world is ready for cod piece uh i think so uh well thank you i will definitely steal that idea and use it <laughs> so ryan thanks uh, thanks so much man for taking time uh no, it's been a blast you. talking to you um before we get into the the outro of this is there anyone else you want to shout out because we've shouted out everybody we Ooh, love today so man. let's keep going um <laughs> let me think um wow now that i'm like on on uh uh, on blast like this, I feel like an asshole doesn't know anybody. Um, I, I mean, honestly, aside from everybody that I've 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 tried to, sh- to shout out as much as I can. I mean, really, I, I feel like you've had a lot of people on this show that I would would have shouted out. Um, and I feel like I would just say the nice thing to do would be next time you go to your comic shop and pick up your Marvel and DC books. Try and pick up a creator-owned from the person who puts out the Marvel DC book you like the most. You know, um, it doesn't matter what company it's at. Uh, it doesn't matter like who they are, but like, you know, give those things a pre-order. We need those to live. Uh, <laughs> yes. So yes, we do. Uh, I, I want. I. I. We all want. We all want the big bucks. We all want the attention. Uh, no. Um, genuinely, like I. I feel like now is a time in comics when so many really talented, cool people are putting out work and I'm excited for 
the next not ascension but like like what the current generation of creators is starting to put out um both in the creator owned sphere and and at marvel and dc so i'm i'm very very excited for everything that's happening um but please 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 if you get a chance and you love something somebody's putting out uh, marvel dc or anywhere please try and pick up their creator owned books um even if it's just the trade paperback or the first issue to to really give it a shot and shout them out on that, everybody, I will have in the show notes down below the link to Ryan's Comicsology page, so you can see all the books they put out, including Infinite Dark and all the other creator-owned stuff. Yeah, let me take back my shout-out. I'm going to say me, actually, <laughs> and my Comicsology page. <laughs> Never mind. The money that I said you should spend on other people, take it to my Comicsology page, please. Uh, or, uh, you know, just PayPal me, and I'll send you a random book. Uh, <laughs> and we'll go from there. That's a fun roulette there. I like that. Send send Ryan $5 and see what you get in return. <laughs> it might be a comic. It might be nothing. It might be a Marvel no prize. Uh, but the important thing is that you supported me, and I'm eternally grateful. <laughs> so everybody, check that link down below. And Ryan, before you take off, uh, where's the best place for people to follow you online? <laughs> Yeah, um, I haven't been as active on there lately, but my Twitter is usually my blessed place to be uh, at Rykady, R-Y-C-A-D-Y. Um, and then also, I guess uh, my Instagram is similar, but yeah. Um, and then I have a website, but uh, Twitter is the best place to reach me because like most comic book creators, I have ADHD and I don't sleep. And so I just yell my terrible opinions uh, into the world. So <laughs> that's Twitter's good for. That's what Twitter's Thanks. good for. <laughs> 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 thanks so much Ryan uh, we'll have to do this again sometime man yeah please have a good one thanks man.